You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. You know where to find us. We're doing it live every Sunday after the Lions game. Sometimes on, I think next week we'll do it on uh, Saturday, Jeremy. Are you going to plan to do it on Saturday? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, All we'll after every game in the offseason on Saturday and Monday throughout the week, we're bringing you live stuff. So subscribe follow us on twitch and youtube get those notifications when we go live or conversely download the podcast on spotify stitcher google podcast apple podcast iheart radio listen at your convenience listen at regular speed slow speed fast speed whatever you want to do listen just listen do it do it live and we're here to talk about the detroit lions uh we're going to make this a little bit of a short one this week we've been trying to cut down on on time just because we're putting out so much content here, so much determination between me, the adequate host, Chris Perfett, as Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T, as I sit here uh, finishing off some whiskey and reveling in the Jets, um, winning but not winning, I think is probably the adequate way to put it. And with me, as always, uh, my nemesis, the the fearless leader, the, uh, Jeremy Reisman at Detroit Online, who already Twitch chat has, res- has returned 8,000 channel points and demanding he puts on the mozzarella stick shirt i'll do that I eventually know. i have it right here but yes uh I, I i'm so much your nemesis that you almost forgot my name that's that that's a very nemesis move of you yes well <laughs> yes. you know i have to i have to play it cool like like you know daniel craig i just don't know which daniel craig yet probably more like uh the guy from knives out who thinks everything is a donut uh, let's talk about this game, Jeremy, because well, actually, do, is there even <laughs> much to talk about? <laughs> I say that and then I think, mm, yeah, but uh, mm, 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 mm. we are committed to talk about this game and we do have, I think, four bullet points in this game. I do want to talk about. But on this podcast, we're also going to be talking a lot about the general manager manager search. We've been following us. We've been interviewing small, uh, you know, We've been interviewing individual people throughout the week, we've been doing shorter podcasts, individual candidates for the general manager and the coaching search. We just did one on Rick Smith. Go and download that. And we're going to be talking about him and two other people later on this podcast because the Lions are interviewing three candidates this week. Yeah, huge give week. You, we are going to give you something we never do on this podcast, our opinion. <gasps> yeah, I know, right? Like. Whoa. Oh my God, people, these guys actually have opinions and they're not just vessels for telling us what we want to know so you can go get jacked up on Kool-Aid. So we're going to give you our opinions on these guys and talk about who they're even talking about. 
bring them down. But first, Jeremy, we start on the game of the day as the Lions get. Uh, I want to think about this. So my guy, Brian Fenley of Fox Sports Radio, always loves his adjectives, his adverbs, uh, verbiage, adjectives when talking about a team losing. And he likes uh, he likes synonyms for uh, vomiting. Mm. So we're going to say the Lions upchuck this game. 46 to 25 Tennessee Titans. However, a good impressive day from Stafford, who we didn't think would play, but he played, man. Damn, yeah. did he play. And I, I think that has to be really the storyline of the game because nothing else was that surprising that happened other than Stafford. Um, I think we entered the week last week thinking it's probably done for the season. Sounds like a very, very painful injury. Might not have broken ribs, but cartilage damage doesn't sound like anything that's too fun. You know, I wake up with a bad shoulder after, you know, sleeping on my sleeping on the wrong side, and I feel like I have to be out for three weeks. This guy suffers rib cartilage damage, has every excuse to say, you know what, let me shut it down. And he's like, no. I He tested on Friday during practice. He's like, you know what, I got this. He comes out, and it was an interesting game for him because I think in that first half, he made a lot of safe passes to start the game, made a lot of safe reads, had a couple opportunities to go deep, didn't take them, checked it down, and it was working. But then once the line started, you know, getting further and further down, it, it it became more and more apparent we needed hero ball from Matthew Stafford, and he accepted it. He went downfield. He threw a beautiful pass to Hunter Bryant. He threw a futile, beautiful pass to uh, uh, Quintus Cephas. And I thought it was a fantastic game for me, and it was fun for a while. I mean, this game was close midway through the third quarter and and it was almost a hundred percent because of Matthew Stafford because you look around everyone around him was making mistakes the defense was oh, its no. god awful self the offensive skill players were fumbling the ball away or dropping the ball or whatever it is and so I mean story of Matthew Stafford's career goes out plays hero ball while injured and it's not even close to enough because this Titans team is really really good and this Lions team is very very bad yeah, listen, if you want any indication that quarterbacks aren't there to save your bacon, look no further than Stafford going out there, throwing his heart out, and nothing. Absolutely nothing. He eventually gets pulled in the game. Chase Daniel gets put in. He takes about five hits on the day, so it. I think at that point, that's the point where it's like, okay, this was cool. This was fun. He gets to assuage his ego, but that's enough. That That's kind of enough. Football players are like hockey players in that regard, right, Jeremy? Like. These guys just want to just go out there no matter what and scrap certain quarterbacks and Stafford belongs to this category. Like Ben Roethlisberger does this all the time too, right? Where there's some guys out there who is like, Hey, you tell them you got to take a day off and they'll be like, what's that? Right. And that's what Stafford is. You kind of have to drag him for better or worse away from it. And I think there is a legitimate question from this game about whether or not Stafford should have played. Uh, I, I mean, me as a fan, I want to see him play. Because as you say, that's a cool story. Yep. That's a cool story. We root for stories in sports for better or worse. We want to see people be heroes more than uh, selfish, greedy people or villains or whatever. And that that that's great. That's fantastic as a fan. But I think if you're someone who is probably looking at the long term health of the Lions or even the prospect of potentially, you know, Stafford's trade value or anything else, you have to ask yourself, was it really the right move to put him out there against the Tennessee Titans, who has one of the strongest, who's one of the stronger teams in the league right now with a hellacious defense? Uh, and I mean, we, we do, I, 
I'll, I'll let you go on, but like we do have the problem in that there's no one in the front office yeah. or in the coaching staff who is ready to go out there and say that because they're all kind of, you know, auditioning for different jobs right now. Right. Yeah. You, you say someone who's got the Lions future in mind needs, needs to consider pulling, taking him off the field. Problem is no one in the Lions organization right now has the future in mind because no one's job is guaranteed through the new year outside yeah. of Chris Spielman and, and Sheila Ford Hamp. Um, I, I, and you know, there are definitely some people that are going to stick around. Sounds like Mike Disner is probably going to stick around since he's involved in the GM search, but all these people benefit from the lions playing well right now. And so Matthew Stafford, even with the, you know, the hurt ribs, it appears he gives the lions the best chance. All respect due to Chase Daniel. He, he played pretty well in, in the small amount that he played in this game, but it's still Matthew Stafford. And I, I'm not usually one to make this argument, but don't you kind of owe it to Stafford a little bit to make his own decision here? I mean, what else has this franchise given him? Nothing. Haven't given him a defense. Haven't given him a run game. Haven't given him a playoff win. Haven't given him any sort of help. So in what could be his dying days as a Detroit Lion, if he wants to play and the doctors say, you can play, you know what? Let him play. I I, I respect that. I would also say that I think, you know, like any good uh, legal legal counsel sometimes you what you perceive to be your best interest probably aren't your best interest sure. either at the same sure. time so 100%. i don't know if i don't know if i don't know if stafford needs the buddy going out there yeah go up and f him up socrates or if he yeah. needs uh as your attorney i would advise you this right it's one or the other so you can uh, you can either have the let's go out there and be legends man or the Think of think of the long term to them. So I don't know what it is for Stafford. Clearly, he chose the former. Right. And and let me I mean, this is a this is a kind of quote that will endear people to Matthew Stafford rightfully or wrongfully. But here's what he said had to say um, about playing this week and why he wanted to play so bad. Quote, because I'm the quarterback of the Detroit Lions and it was Sunday and I got a bunch of teammates that work their ass off. They fight to be available and fight to get out there and, and play and try to help us win. If there's any way I can play, I'm never not. I'm never going to not. I feel like I owe it to those guys. I owe it to the game. I owe it to this organization. Everybody. If I'm good enough to play healthy enough to play, my ass is going to be out there. I felt like I was good enough to play. That's why I wanted to be out there. You heard it here first, folks. Matthew Stafford. I'm never going to not. I'm never going to not. Why don't you put that on a T-shirt, Jeremy? We could probably go go tell the T-shirt people to put that on a T-shirt. That's that sounds like a, put that with the angry Stafford face on there. Just I'm never going to not or whatever the quote is like. Because that sounds not. that sounds like a winner. That's, 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 a, that's a that's a that's a life lesson right there, folks. I'm never going to not. <laughs> uh, let's talk about some let's talk about some smaller people besides Stafford out there. Not smaller people. I hate. Why did I even say that? Smaller stuff. Uh, other notes from it because let, well, let me let me just put this right right, right away. We're, we're we're setting the defense aside. They're bad. The end. They're, they're, we're done yeah, with the it. End. <laughs> <laughs> there's no there's no nothing to say here, folks. Uh, we don't, we even, don't need to talk about Jelani Tavai for the tenth straight week and how bad he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Romeo Quara, cool. You had like a bullet of a sack on 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 Ryan Tannehill, but that was kind of like you had some bad plays too. So that's kind of more like your fifty fifty play going on there, but. Um, I do want to talk about some of the other guys on the day. So I think two of the big stories. Uh, do you want to start with Marvin Jones or DeAndre Swift? Um, let's go with Marvin Jones. Something. I mean, they're both pretty positive, but yeah, let's start with Marvin Jones. So I thought Marvin Jones had a huge day. He had over 100 
yards catching. And I think the big story is, as you look at him with an expiring contract, is, you know, I mean, it's all about the future for us as fans right now in Detroit. And I think the big thing for Marvin Jones is with how productive he's been down the stretch, especially in Daryl Bevel's system, as he's been kind of let off the chain, as it were, uh, is to how valuable Marvin Jones might be to this organization moving forward. So I guess, you know, I, I'm starting to see some fans saying, you know, pays that man his money. But uh, I, I don't know. He's kind of on the he's in his 30s now. He's kind of. He, he's he's had years where he's just kind of vanished from stat sheets. Yeah. Now and then I am. Maybe this is sour grapes from me just remembering his time when he was in Cincinnati and also my fantasy teams. <laughs> but um you know, I, I think there is question as to what kind of role Marvin Jones will play in the future in Detroit. If you do sign him to Detroit, if he is worth that kind of contract money. Yeah. And it, I think prior to maybe even just this week, I feel like everyone just kind of assumed Marvin Jones was gone and understandably so. He's going to be, what, 31, 32 next mm-hmm. year. Um the Lions got pretty much all they could get out of him in, in these five years that they've had him. I thought it was it was one of Bob Quinn's better signings and it was one of his first. Um, and then, you know, these last couple of games, he's, he's played really well. He put up 116 against the bears, 48 against the, the Packers, and then 10 catches for 112 and a touchdown again today. Um, but, but you brought up a really good point. Like he goes through these droughts, these dry spells that I think we easily forget in the moment. Like, do you want me to read his yardage in the first five weeks of the season? 55 yeah, yards, 23 yards, 51 yards, nine yards, eight yards. He had a 39 in there, a 43. And, and granted, the lines, you know, spread the ball out quite a bit, and he's not going to get all those opportunities. And a lot of those games were with Kenny Galladay in the game. But that kind of goes to show you, like, this, I mean, he's he's a wide receiver, too, at this point in his career. And maybe he always was. And I would say he's upper to mid-tier of a, of a wide receiver, too. And I, I think he he's working his way into a good a well-sized contract. Nothing like the 18, 19, 20 million that Kenny Galladay is asking for. And obviously, Kenny Galladay's presence in this organization i think is going to play a big part in whether yeah, marvin jones stays that's it, the other it, fly in the ointment because the lions right. are probably gonna have to choose between galladay and jones it does kind of feel that way and so would you rather either put kenny galladay on the franchise tag or sign him to a long-term deal worth 18 19 20 million or would you rather resign you know marvin jones to something more manageable like a, a three-year 33 million dollar deal or something like you know 11 12 million a year and then maybe go out and get get a guy high in you know first or second day of the draft that either way i mean both those kind of options have you know a, a positive to i'm i'm not getting thrilled with the marvin jones extension uh, the idea of an extension but at the same time he's he's a rock solid receiver in terms of those contested catches I'm just looking for something a little more exciting in that Lions wide receiver group. And Kenny, Kenny Galladay is certainly more exciting. Um, so is a, a, a young draftee. And I think maybe a, a draftee is on the board no matter who they decide to keep, even if they keep both. But um, we, it's kind of a conundrum. We've also talked about speed. And I'd like to start seeing some receivers in the Lions who can create some separation between themselves and, right. and, their, and their coverage. And Marvin Jones just does not fit that he's bill that nope. at the end of the day. As mm-hmm. you say, he's a contested catch kind of guy, which is, yep. which is fine. You can you can make your money that way. Marvin Jones has made his money that way. But if you want to if you want the future, which is speed, you probably need someone different than than Marvin Jones. Galladay's not really either that guy either. No, though. he's not. At least and, not but yet. I, yeah, he's still yeah. Here. And I 
and Quintus Cephas is young. I know he had a catch here. We we still that's still a lottery scratcher. We still have to see how Cephas develops. Yep. So 100%. um now let's go to DeAndre Swift. I we're also gonna talk TJ Hawkinson real quick, but I want to get to Swift because uh I want to make sure he gets some time here because uh listen, I I would caution fans about focusing on the big mistake. Um because once again, it's kind of like the first game of the year, Jeremy, where it's like he's had a decent game, but then had, you know, has a hellacious drop in the end zone. Likewise, here, the goal line fumble, it's a backbreaker. Who knows how the game goes if he doesn't botch that. But I mean, man, he was productive the rest of the day. He's everything you want out of a running back. And I've I think I've harped on this in years past to like running backs kind of like at a lot of other positions in the NFL, they have quiet rookie years. They don't just come out here and just blow the doors off right away. Um, you know, I've, I think I've talked before about Adrian Peterson's rookie year being kind of whatever. Uh, Derek Henry, who the Lions saw today, only had like shy of 500 yards in his rookie year. They're using Deion and they were using DeAndre Swift very conservatively under Matt Patricia. Now they're kind of like letting him go a little bit and feeling it out. But I think, you know, it, I, I wouldn't throw it out right now. I want to see him develop. And I don't think this mistake should define him. And I think people should really, really be looking into just, you know, what Swift can bring to the table. He is versatile. The only thing he really can't do is probably like if you ask him to go up the middle on a third and in inches, like that's probably not his style. But everything but, else. Yeah, it's, uh, he can it's develop still- into that. Absolutely. And I, I do think when you draft a, a running back as high as they did, you know, 35th overall pick, there is a certain expectation in your rookie year there. And, and fair or not, you know, you, you're expected to, to explode. You're expected to contend for, you know, offensive rookie of the year. If you're a, a skill position drafted in the top 40, you're expected to at least contend. And I don't think DeAndre Swift was ever really given a fair chance in his rookie year here in Detroit, because like you said, Matt Patricia kind of, conservatively used him swift also dealt with an yeah, injury kind of in a training pitch camp. count kind of yeah yeah i mean yeah and, and part of it was probably injury related part of it was because patricia is, is very much in the running back by committee thing but now we've seen him start a couple games and he's been quite productive i mean really all season he's been productive 4.6 yards per carry he was 4.5 yards per carry today against tennessee two touchdowns another 15 in the receiving game if there's one thing i've really been disappointed with him in in his rookie season it's been that receiving game he hasn't been necessarily the big mismatch that i've been hoping for doesn't have he also doesn't have a ton of big runs i think he really only has one beyond 20 yards but still i'm i'm reserving judgment because I've seen more good than bad out of Swift. And yes, like you mentioned, some of those bad were just, they just came in very monumental moments, whether it's on the goal line, whether it's, you know, fourth quarter, last, last play of the game type of thing. Um, but overall, I mean, all, all you need to know that makes me excited for DeAndre Swift is that late touchdown he scored. And maybe you guys have already had already turned off the game by then, but he made a nasty, nasty cut on a Titans defender on the six-yard touchdown run. And, and that's the kind of thing that I need to see. He's, he's able to kick it out. Um, in an instant, that short area quickness to kick it outside. And, and you want to see him able to, to run between the tackles. And I think he can, but he's been so good on those outside runs. And considering the lines have a pretty darn good tackle on that left side and, and Taylor Decker, I think that's something you might see going along in the future for a long time. And so I, I mostly came away impressed with Swift in this game. Obviously he's got stuff to learn on the goal line, but we, I mean, we saw that happen all week, right? Like we saw it on, on Saturday night. Um, 
the was it Bridgewater? Bridgewater, I think, fumbled on the goal line. He's he's a veteran guy, and yeah, look, these things happen. Yeah. yeah, it just it's it's part of the game of football. Fumbles happen. It it sucks. Hmm. Yeah, I I just know I just know this fan base. Sometimes, if if history is to be uh, looked at, sometimes they don't let mistakes go. <laughs> Probably true there. Yeah. Uh, let's take a quick, oh, real quick before we go to the break, um, let's sum this up pretty quick. I know we're kind of already over for what we need to do, but, um, you had TJ Hawkinson down in notes. Did you want to talk about him real quick as well? Well, Cause yeah, I mean, here's, I, I feel like if, if Matt Patricia was coaching this game, we would be burying him right now. So it's only, I think fair that we talk a little bit about some of the mistakes Daryl Bevel made in this game. And one of them I think was handing the ball to TJ Hawkinson on a third and one. I think that's a little bit of an example of the lines getting a little too cutesy on what should be an easy down. And yes, if, if his knee is down a a half a second earlier, we're talking about maybe how awesome of a call it was, you know, the lines got a little creative. They were able to get a first down, but we're talking about a third and one, something that shouldn't require kind of fancy things. And you're putting the ball in TJ Hawkinson's hands. Who's not a running back. Um, He should be, he should know not to fumble the ball. So it's not like, you know, you're handing it to, let's say, a safety on a fake punt, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, I don't know. I just thought I thought the lines got a little bit too cute in the game. Overall, the offense still was working pretty well and the defense was what it is. Um, but in that in- instance, I thought they got too cutesy. And then fourth quarter, you're down 14 points. Not a lot of time left in the game. Fourth and four from your own side of the field. Just go for it. Why fake punt it? Why pretend like you're going to punt it away when you when everyone in the building knows if you give Tennessee the ball one more time suddenly that 14 point lead is going to be at least a 17 point lead and that means a three score game instead of a two score game so don't get fancy go for it don't give the ball to CJ Moore a guy who probably didn't have an NFL career uh, carry in his career put the ball in Matthew Stafford's hands he was having a hell of a game let him pick up four yards and maybe the Lions pull off an upset that fake punt thing was really really dumb and I think if, if Matt Patricia was still the head coach we'd be absolutely hammering it for him so we have to we have to say, Daryl Bevel, you know what? You had a nice honeymoon there. Let's get it together for these last two games, not be all crazy and, and fancy. And, you know, I don't know if you're trying to show off to, to maybe win a job here, but you, you were a little over the top today. And I think it cost lines a, a chance to maybe pull off an upset. Because, again, this game was close halfway through the third quarter. Uh, a couple big mistakes there at the end of the game uh, really, really sunk lines chances. Yeah. Uh, only other note I have here is rest in peace to Alexander Myers. Um, if they still made those videos, if they still made those like hit compilations, that'd be like a, Hey, rookie welcome to the NFL kind of moments actually wait, hold up. Myers is, he's not a rookie. Is he? He's I honestly, I have no idea. The guy was added to the first season. So he is a rookie. Okay. I I, I'm good. I'm good. I didn't, I didn't strike. I didn't, he's 24. So it threw me off. Actually, wait, he was last year with the, with the Steelers. Okay. So I was wrong. Okay, adequate. No um, one, no one would blame you for that. I would. I guarantee you 90% of the people listening to this podcast didn't Not, even know he was on the team before the game. Still, welcome to the freaking NFL with that, <laughs> with that stiff arm from Derrick Henry. My God, people were immediately vandalizing his Wikipedia. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, that's, as you say, like, this could have been a different game. Uh, some weird decisions from the Lions. But as we have established the motto of the Lions now, um, you know, I'll, I'm never not gonna. <laughs> Daryl Bevel, Bevel, never not gonna, never not gonna, never gonna not or whatever it is. Yeah, never I, gonna I don't knock you up. 
Is that what we're going to do? Da, 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 da. <laughs> Listen, all, all memes are on the table. I just saw SportsCenter retweet the uh, Wario. I've won, but at what cost? But with the Jets uh, logo on them. So, Good I mean, Jets. yeah, seriously. We're going to talk draft position here. Let's just say the Jets today won, but they absolutely lost. So uh, we'll, we'll recap the, the draft position for everyone. Uh, there was a couple changes in the draft order. Lions are interested there. And we're going to talk about the general manager search. Big week coming up here. But we're going to take a break. We're going to play a little patty cake with our with our live streaming audience chats here. You know, play a little grab ass. Have some fun. Once again, if you are not subscribed on YouTube or following us on Twitch, you need to be doing that. Uh, and Jeremy will gladly take your money there for all your gift subs. Uh, you know, it's what it is. He's he's. He's doing things with his stash. But for me, I just want you to listen on the podcast. Download it. Give us five stars. Make sure you listen to all the ads because that's how I get paid. But uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, general manager week, baby. It's fun. Yeah, we all we all get to sit here and hoot and holler about hiring decisions. I love how corporate the NFL can be like that sometimes. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. We're going to shift gears here, you know, take it into uh, where we're, we're in like fifth gear, I would say, Jeremy. And now I'm lowering it to us down to second. We're kind of taking it easy. We're on the back streets right now away from this game. And we are going to talk about the general manager search. Still, in my mind, not as sexy as the coaching search. This guy, whoever we are talking about is not going to be seen every weekend on the sidelines wearing a short sleeve hoodie and a and potentially a baseball cap with the old Lions logo from the 1950s or 60s. That just makes it not as sexy to me. But we are talking about men in suits, which are sexy. So we are going to talk about general managers. And we got a big week coming up here. Three, three, count them, three. Coaching candidates, I mean general manager candidates, excuse me, God, uh, are going to be taught are going to be meeting with the Detroit Lions. All these guys are not currently with teams right now, because that's really the only thing the Lions can do before the NFL season's over. Yep. So that is what we've got on our table right now. We've got three candidates here, Jeremy. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with let's, uh let's start with the one we already interviewed? Because I don't think we've talked much on the podcast about Lewis Riddick who was interviewed on Friday. Uh. <laughs> I know, I know, I know that that makes you very excited, but I feel like we have to address him. And because he's a very, haven't we learned our lesson about getting guys from TV? Sure. But there's been two more recent examples that have worked out kind of okay. Right. John Lynch over I in Denver. I forgot about uh, a, I forgot about John Lynch. John Lynch B, sorry, I feel like in Denver. he's with the 49ers. I'm sorry. He played 49ers. for Denver. He's with the 49ers. But a, I forgot about John Lynch B. I feel like, okay, so this still makes it work for me. I just have to expand it from Oakland to, I feel like it, this only works for teams that were based in the Bay area at the time. 
I was going to say, I was going to say the the only thing I I was going to say at this point, the only team that seems to work with guys taken from TV seems to be the Raiders because, you know, up is down when it comes to the Raiders and the Davis clan. Sure. That somehow Gruden and Mike Mayock, Mike bleeping Mayock is working for them. Yeah. And, and that's, yeah. And I think that's part of the appeal for a lot of people is they've, they've seen Lewis Riddick. They know Lewis Riddick. He's on ESPN all the time. He's part of their draft coverage. Now he's on Monday night football. And so you hear him, you respect him, you know, you know what he's all about. And a lot of people hear that and they like what he has to say. And let's, Mm -hmm. let's be clear. Like he's got a decent resume too. He's been out of, he's not just a guy on TV. He's got background, but, but also be clear. He's, he's never been a general manager. All of his experience in the NFL have been on the pro personnel side. So he's mostly dealing with free agents and waiver wire and yeah, trade that nature. If you're not used to general manager talk, pro scouting means you are scouting guys who are already in the NFL. You're looking for guys that you can either trade for who are currently on rosters, who might be available on the waiver wire, who might be on practice squads, or who are who might be available either in free agency or as part of a trade. Yeah. You're not looking at, at, at college at all. You're just looking at guys who are currently employed or were employed at some point in the NFL. Yep. And you look at his resume, pro scout for Washington, director of pro personnel, Washington, pro scout for the Eagles, director of assistant director of pro personnel at the Eagles, director of pro mm-hmm. personnel at the Eagles. So literally all on the pro side, but he's definitely had his foot in the draft at ESPN. And, and yes, that's different. It's not, I mean, you're not putting together scouting reports. You're not you know, devising a draft board necessarily and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. All you have to do is appear smarter than Mel Kuyper. <laughs> yeah, probably true. But I mean, I think the Lions should have an open mind and I do think they're right in, in interviewing him. I think might as well interview as many people as you can right now while you can't interview the guys that are currently employed. So he's a guy that I'm not very excited about. Um, I'm willing to let him prove me wrong. But if you're talking about, you know, top five guys, he's not in my top five. No, he's he's really not for me. The only thing that really excites me about him is he does have uh, original XFL pedigree, which, as we know, is uh, by 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 way of Purdue is the way to go to have just wild, un- unquenchable success in your in your life. You know, shout out to the Orlando Rage. <laughs> um, no, I mean, listen, yeah, he's not just an, uh, a TV guy. I know we've got uh can I say his name without people like ripping me apart anymore? We don't, he, he doesn't have Eminem uh, pedigree. He's, he has some qualifications. He has proper qualifications. As you said, he was a scout for the Eagles in the aughts. He was director of personnel in the early 2000, 2010s when they were building up and making themselves into a contender in those years after they jettisoned Andy Reid. Kind of, I think, straddled the Reed, uh, Reed to Peterson era, if I'm not mistaken. I think no, I'm sorry. No, he he straddled the Reed to Chip Kelly era. So that's maybe not. A, yeah, I see Jeremy. For those but watching on not watching on on Twitch, Jeremy just made a face. But he's not. He didn't hire Chip Kelly again. He he doesn't have no, general manager no. experience. So that's again yeah. maybe one of the knocks on him, at least compared to the guys that they're interviewing this week. No, but I think, you know, listen, guys like him because he's on TV. When you're on TV, you get to you get to talk to people. And if nothing else for a general manager, a personable general manager, there is something to that. Because I think one of the one of the big critiques of, of Bob Quinn, Jeremy, was that he never talked to anyone. He, did, he never talked to the press. He never got in front of a camera. He 
maybe once a year at best. Well, there's talk yeah, the draft yeah. and the end of the year, and that's about it. Maybe yeah. sometimes he would go in during the owners' meetings, but <clears throat> yeah. And I don't yeah. know, like I, that and to me, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Well, I kind of, I, I kind of do in the sense that that's nice. That helps out things at times. And listen, general managers in the NFL don't have the kind of power that they have in the NBA or in baseball. They're not the end all be all coaches have to have a big say in the kind of groceries you go and get. It's the old, it's the old line from, uh, was it Brian Billick? I'm sorry. I've got a dog barking in my background now too. Um, I think it's Billick or Polian, one of the two. I'm pretty sure it's Billick. Uh, this dog's really annoying and really distracting me. Um, but, you know, about the, the coach has to hand in, have a hand in the groceries. And that's really true in the NFL. You, can, you don't have a Daryl Morey or Theo Epstein type character in the NFL. So, I mean, I wouldn't mind a guy who is personable, who knows his role and knows that he's there to facilitate, to advise to pick out the best people and give the best options to a coach. And I think Lewis Riddick can do that. Uh, so I would say, so we've got two, technically these are two former Falcons guys that, that the lions are interviewing, but uh, we've got Thomas Dimitrov and Scott Pioli, which Scott Pioli is a name that immediately set radars off in my head, which you want to start with Pioli or Dimitrov. Let's talk with Dimitrov a little bit. Um, because if, if you listen to our podcast that we recorded on Friday, dropped on Saturday, um, we talked to Aaron Wilson about Rick Smith. And during that time he talked about Rick Smith, he dropped a pretty significant rumor where he said, Thomas Dimitrov might be the leader in the clubhouse. He's hearing that the Lions have significant interest in this guy. And I think he's one of the more intriguing candidates because he just got fired. Yeah, he in just October, got fired. Two months ago. Not, I mean, not even a full two months ago, this guy was was the Atlanta Falcons GM for years for over a decade. We're talking about about a guy who has a ton of experience, a lot of it good. I mean, we're not that far removed from an Atlanta Falcons Super Bowl appearance, and this is a guy who's highly respected. This is a guy who saw the Falcons turn around on his watch. Um I mean, holding a GM job for 12 years is nothing no nothing to shake your stick at. That's I mean, that's not easy. It's not easy. And I mean, all you have to do is look at the lines. How many GMs have they had in the past 12 years, three or four? Um, he had a mostly successful career. Now, I think one of the things that I also really like about him is that his his resume goes well beyond that. For four years, he was at the with the Patriots. And, and yeah, I know. Hold your holsters. Yes, Patriots. But uh, he's a director of pro scouting over there. But then you go no, back. No, he's and he, director of college scouting. With the Patriots, uh, sorry, yes, college scouting. Yes, yeah, sorry. no, no, but that I, I, I want, I want to correct you on that because that's something I want yep. to come back to. But continue. But yeah, and then you could go even further back, like scout for one year with the Chiefs, scout for three years with the the Lions, scout for three another three years with the Browns. Um, the guy has worked his way up, been in this game for a long time. He's been around for thirty years now, and deep resume. Got to start. Got to start in the CFL scouting for for them. Yeah. So I mean, he's worked his way up. He knows. He knows scouting. He knows both sides of it now because he's been with the Falcons. They're, they're in a little bit of a cap issue at this point, but I, I think overall you have to look mostly positive at his time in Atlanta. Maybe it soured at the end there, but um, well-respected guy with, with a tight resume. And, you know, the lines have said a lot about wanting guys that are, that are experienced in their jobs. You know, there was that memo that Sheila Fordham sent out to, the te- to her team and saying, listen, we're going to get someone experienced, knows what they're doing, 
Dimitrov is that guy. He's been experienced. And if I if I'm making a choice whether I want a, an experienced GM or an experienced head coach, I'm taking the experienced GM. That's where I want the experience right now. And Dimitrov is is one of those kind of rare candidates that has a pretty decent resume. And yes, he did get fired, but he he brought that Falcons team to to legitimacy in, in kind of a hurry. Yeah, listen, uh, I don't want to tip my hand against two of the other guys that we got to talk about. We still got to talk about Scott Pioli and we got to talk about one other guy. Um, but I, this is my favorite guy out of these names. So just, just hands down right now for several reasons. One, I think when he got fired from Atlanta, he wasn't the problem in Atlanta. That was a coaching problem. If you look at any of those Falcons team, they are an embarrassment of riches when it comes to their talent. Like, are you kidding me? Um... Like he he was there to to build around Matt Ryan. I pretty sure he drafted Julio Jones. Like he drafted Matt Ryan too. Matt Ryan was he his drafted first drafted Matt Ryan. He built those teams, man. The Atlanta Falcons, their problem was never in talent. They always had a lot of, especially on the offense, they always had talent. They always had you know players that would make your eyes pop. Their problem was always in coaching. So I can't put like I, I understand why he got fired. It was probably time for a change. It was probably time for a rebuild. But I don't find I, I absolve Dimitrov of quite a bit of that blame. The other thing I like about him and why I corrected you is because versus a lot of these other guys, you're going to see they are pro. A lot of these other guys, they have backgrounds as pro scouts. They're concerned about guys who are in the NFL. What I look for in a general manager for the Lions coming in the future is a is a guy who has college scouting experience because the Lions, I hate to say it, they're staring down the barrel of a rebuild. And what is the hallmark of the Bob Quinn general manager era? It is that he wasted his draft picks. He swung with his baseball bat, with his famous Louisville slugger, and missed several times. Casey has struck out in Mudville. No one will get that reference. I like that book. I'm sorry. Um, but but yeah, I mean, you build through yeah, the you draft. You build through the draft. And and that's what I want. That is the, You see how these teams are winning right now? They understand the best way to do it is getting players who are under their rookie contracts, who are early in their career, that you can get in a team-friendly cap situation. And I hate to say it to the Stafford fans out there, at that- some point, they are going to have to dra- draft a quarterback. I want the guy who is experienced looking at the college at the college level and what works and what is best from the college level and understanding their talent in college rather than just looking for the guy who fits a pro system. I think Dimitrov is is qualified to do that. I think if you give him a situation like, say, a few years ago, he would be the the general manager to pick uh, Patrick Mahomes and not Mitchell Trubisky. That's maybe a stretch, but I'm just saying, like, he has that background, college background as a general manager. And I would like to see the Lions build through the draft at this point. I'm kind of because that was a problem with Bob Quinn. That was what damned Bob Quinn in my mind. He would pick guys in the draft. They would bust. He would have to go out in free agency to fix it. Suddenly you've wasted your draft pick and you're spending against your cap too much. So I think like that's all like to me in my mind. That makes Dimitrov probably the best in my mind. He's up there out of these me. other guys. Yeah. He's definitely up there for me. All right, let's talk about uh, Scott Pioli. Sure. Um, <laughs> this is a tough one to sell me on. Uh, yes, because like, yeah, he was. He, so 
positive. He was there at the same time as Dimitrov. He was his assistant general manager yeah. from 14 to 19. But the problem was before then, yeah. for four years, he was the general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs. And if you're listening to us in 2020, you're like, what's the problem with that? Well, those four years was 2009 to 2012, aka the years before they hired Andy Reid. Yeah, literally the, the, the four years before they hired Andy Reid. 2013, they hire Andy Reid and the rest is history. But I do want to say, like, okay, I'm, there's, there's a lot of things Peely's going on I've name before. I've heard Peely's right. name before. He is respected. He is respected, but here's the, th- I mean, there, there's so many mixed emotions I have here. One is like Patriots tree. He's a Patriots guy. A lot of people thought he was going to get a big chance. He did. He took over a two and 12 Chiefs team. He managed to, for them to go like four and five, four and 12, get a little bit better. And by the time 2012 hit, they were two and 12 or two and 14 again. Um, but I think I think a lot of Chiefs fans look back on that time and be like, you know what? He probably wasn't as bad as we give him credit for. I mean, you look at some of the draft picks that he made there from 2009 to 2012. Um, 2010, he drafts Eric Berry, a very, very talented safety who unfortunately went through a bunch of injuries in his career, still made five Pro Bowls, three All-Pros. Um, 2011, Rodney Hudson, center, eight, I'm sorry, uh, three Pro Bowls. Justin Houston, four Pro Bowls, one one All-Pro nod. 2012, Dontari Poe, a very talented nose tackle, two Pro Bowls for him. So he did hit on a lot of guys, especially at the top of his draft. It's just everything else never came together, whether it was they couldn't find a quarterback, whatever, whatever issues they were going to. Maybe he has issues hiring a head coach. And I mean, that's that's a big strike on your record. The Lions are mm-hmm. looking for a general manager who are probably going to be hiring a head coach. So if yep. you have misses there, that's almost as important as missing on some draft picks as well. But like you said, after that, he went to the Falcons. The Falcons saw a, a good amount of success under him. He's a well-respected guy. So he's one I want to keep an open mind with. But of, I mean, I think he might be even lower than Lewis Rick on me on my list just because there's there's a lot of questions. There's, there's some failures in his past. And I, I just don't know. I mean, again, his his resume goes way way back 1992 is when he started in the nfl as a, as a pro personnel assistant assistant for the browns worked his way up to to a respected level but i'm not sure i'm ready to give him a second chance at general manager after what happened in kansas city yeah yeah i i agree with that i do want to add that we do have a um i hate i hate to bring up the twitch chat too much because i know this is the part of our recorded segment but we do have a falcons fan in our twitch chat Kwakuis, who is uh, like kind of an agony that we even mentioned Scott Dimitrov and said, please don't talk about him. Falcons should not have fired him. There you go. So and he points out what we pointed out. Dimitrov's first draft pick, Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears> I mean, yeah, I don't want to dismiss Scott Pioli too much, but again, like pro personnel is most of his background there. And yeah, there are a couple marks on his on his record here. And a lot of that comes from his time with the Chiefs and maybe he can turn it around there. But I mean, if you're interviewing two guys from that era from the Falcons, I would lean towards Dimitrov more than Pioli. And just um, um, spoiler, if you're if you're listening to it on this podcast or if you're watching live, um, we do plan on getting a Dimitrov expert um, that maybe we can talk a little bit about Scott Pioli with as well. So um, expect that later this week on the podcast. Ooh, I spoiler. like that. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a tease. That's a tease. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, and finally, I know we've already done a podcast on him. Speaking of these podcasts we've been doing in the middle of the week, the other person the Lions are interviewing this week is former Texans general manager Rick Smith, which we talked about with uh, the guy from the Houston Chronicle, but we didn't Aaron Wilson, really. Yep. Aaron Wilson, yep. 
But I don't think we've sat here and given our opinions on Rick Smith. At least I haven't because yeah. I wasn't on that podcast. I talked about him a little bit. Um, he's he's my number one candidate right now. I'm just putting it blatantly. I, I like him a lot. I think he's a super, super well-respected guy. I think he got a, a bum deal with the Texans. He was he was doing an excellent job drafting there. Got a bunch of Pro Bowl, all pro guys. Maybe even some, a couple Hall of Famers there in, in Deshaun Watson and, and J.J. Watt. Um I mean, and, and, you know, Aaron Wilson told a, what I thought was a pretty cool story about um, how they got a, Arian Foster. You know, he trusted one scout who's, you know, just br- banging the drum on him. And I know he's an undrafted guy, so I don't know how much credit you give for a general manager for getting an undrafted guy. But at the same time, they trusted him. It worked out. It was a big hit for them. Um, overall, though, I just I, I think he's very well respected. Um, he's a rare instance in which you have a GM with a good reputation that didn't technically get fired. He stepped down, even though he was probably going to get fired if he hadn't stepped down because him and Bill O'Brien were butting heads. And yeah, for whatever, for whatever reason, reason, the dumbass owner took <laughs> Bill O'Brien's side. Um, and, and we all know how that worked out. Um, yeah. But in, in general, I think I think this guy is the cleanest resume. Um, he's had a couple of years to to think things out after, you know, think on some mistakes he made. Yes, he made some mistakes. Brock Osweiler was obviously the biggest mistake. It took him a long time to get his quarterback, but he got his quarterback. And, and yeah, that's not I think an easy Brock Osweiler in his head would like we, we've talked about those quarterbacks before. I like the approach when you can like you have the temperance to realize you've got to get a lot of other pieces before you can just plug in a quarterback, because if you swing and miss on a quarterback, that's going to set you back like multiple years. You can't just swing and miss on a quarterback and be like, oh, okay, we'll just move this guy over to this other position because you, every other position you have at least, you know, several guys in the roster. So if you swing and miss on a wide receiver, like just go get another wide receiver. It's fine. Quarterback, those guys, they command a lot. They, that's, that's a four or five year mistake right there. Yeah, and, and he managed to get out of Brock Osweiler in a year. He, yeah. he pawned them off on the Browns and, and but sure, that's what I mean. He, he, yeah. he sat there and watched Brock and realized like, this isn't the guy I really want long-term. Yeah. I'm waiting for Deshaun Watson. Yep. My, that's, my that's, only, that's, that's temperance. My only concern with him really, I mean, at least compared to the other guys we just talked about is he hasn't been around as long. He's only been around since 2000. Um, he's only been in two places, the Denver Broncos and the Houston Texans at the NFL level. So, you know, maybe not as diversified in terms of connections and philosophies, um, given he's only been with two organizations. But overall, I think he's still the strongest candidate. Yeah. And I see our, our chat is kind of agreeing with us. They like Thomas Dimitrov. They like both our options here, Jeremy. They're like, my option is Thomas Dimitrov. Like, your option is Rick Smith. You know, they're saying 1A, 1B among those guys. So, I mean... And, and, and one thing to consider, too, is like these guys are getting all the attention now because these are the guys that can interview. There's a whole bevy of candidates that we're, we're probably going to get into right. January 4th or whenever the regular season ends that we're not even talking about now. So don't don't act like these are the only like these are all the eggs in the basket. There, there's a whole new mm-hmm. set of candidates that you have to imagine the lines are going to touch on. And and yes, they're not going to be as experienced as these guys because you're not going to. You know, you're not going to interview a curtain GM. <laughs> you can't make a, a sideways jump like that. So you're going to get a lot right. of guys that are directors of pro personnel, directors of college personnel, um, assistant general managers, that sort of thing. So they might not look as impressive on paper. But again, it's that mix of like, do you want the up and coming guy, up and coming guy or the retread? And it's not an easy decision there. I think you, you kind of lean towards retread in general manager maybe up and comer on coaching side but it's a matter of preference and so these are the guys that we're talking about now and uh i think smith is my guy 
Yeah, I mean, Dimitrov's my guy. I, I got to say, like, no matter who they interview next, these are some heavy hitters right out of the gate to yep. interview these guys and probably Lewis Riddick in here and Scott Pioli. Like, these are all pretty some pretty heavy hitter names and, uh, right and off the bat. The the one other thing you also have to consider is that it the Lions aren't just picking their favorite. They've got other teams involved. And and like, mm-hmm. you know, it, again, if you listen to our podcast that, that we recorded over the weekend, um, the, the Lions ne- might not be Rick Smith's top option. It sounds like the Falcons no. are, are going to be uh, or yeah, the Falcons are, are potentially going to be pursuing him. So Lions are going to have to convince a lot of teams that they're they're the franchise to go with. And I don't yeah. know. I mean, we, we talked a little bit about this on the Spielman podcast. Is there a concern maybe that there are too many cooks in the kitchen in in Detroit with Sheila Fordhamp, with Chris Spielman, too many people to answer for with Rod Smith, Rod Wood, I should say. Um, and, and that's something to think about. And and maybe maybe Chris Spielman is is a recruiter. Maybe maybe he's a plus, not a negative. And I don't know. We, we just have to wait for it all to, to, to play out. I'm just kind of like throwing everything against the wall here. But um it's it's all really interesting how it plays out and uh yeah and i got to imagine i got to imagine there's gonna be other teams interested in thomas dimitrov too sure like texans would be kind of a we're talking about a a texans guy go interviewing with the falcons could see a falcons guy interviewing with the texans who knows you know so yeah there's there's definitely and there's definitely there i I hate to say to lions fans there's going to be some interesting jobs out there besides the lions uh, Texans right now have a young and very promising quarterback in Deshaun Watson, a lot else that could be re- rebuilt around him. Uh, whereas the Lions, like other teams out there are going to have, you know, high first round draft picks, be they the Jaguars or the Jets. I don't know about general manager openings on some of those teams. Jag- I mean, yeah, Jaguars. Jaguars are now they're in line for the first overall pick. They're in line for the first overall <laughs> pick I, because the Jets yeah. won. The Jets won. They uh, the the 2008 Lions and the 2000 whatever Browns like they cracked you know shotgun some natty lights to celebrate, but uh, for not having another undefeated. I mean, not having another winless among their midst. But uh, they somehow screwed themselves out of the top. Uh, I think that's a good chance to slide over to Tankathon, shall we, Jeremy? Sure. Real quick, <laughs> just close out the podcast with that. So the Lions are still holding steady at number five as we are recording. Sunday Night Football has yet number to 10. kick as we are recording. We are waiting to see what happens with the Giants. That will matter. Yeah. Yes, the Lions are currently ahead of the Giants at the moment um, due to the extra loss. Um, but if the Giants also lose, they'll probably jump the Lions in draft order simply by a matter of strength of schedule. Lions currently at 10, Giants currently at 13th. Those will they won't swap places there necessarily, but the Lions will jump, mm-hmm. drop back to 11th if the Giants win that game. Um, yeah, I mean it, it's it's a tough situation here. You don't imagine the Lions are probably going to win another game. The Buccaneers um, obviously have a lot to play for still. Um, and, and the Vikings, uh, the Vikings game is kind of up in the air, right? Cause the Vikings probably won't have anything to play for after they lost to the bears today. Their, their ceiling is eight and eight. That and game's going to be weird because either one of these teams could be shutting down people. I don't exactly. know if like, if, exactly. if the Vikings will shut down Dalvin cook. I don't know if this, if the lions will shut down Matthew Stafford. I mean, Stafford might not tell. play another game. Like the no, fact he that he pulled them, they pulled him from a 21 point game today might be like, okay, well, this game was over and now you look at it. They've been mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Is there anything necessarily to play him for? I don't know. You know, Matthew Stafford's going to want to play. That, that's the one thing we're sure of. He's, he's not, he's never going to not. If there's one he's thing, never gonna today, he's never going to not, he's never going to not, but, uh, never but yeah, gonna I, not. 
I, I think there's a good chance the Lions pick in the top 10. If I had to, you know, just kind of throw a dart and pick a, a number right now, it's probably seven or eight. Um, I don't think they're going to crack the top 10 at this point. They really needed Atlanta to pull off an upset today or, or Houston or or Philly almost did. Um, but but yeah, none of those ended up happening. And so I think the Lions are probably stuck in the lower end of the top 10. And and that's that's if they lose out. Um, if they beat the Vikings, they might slide into those low teens, which is not not really where not you want to be. Not but, ideal. But you can also get talented people there. Or if you get an aggressive GM like Rick Smith. Rick Smith went up and got himself a, a Deshaun Watson. He traded up. He found a guy that he wanted and he got mm-hmm. him. And so, you know, that's that's always a possibility. If, if the Lions' new GM decides he wants to go a quarterback direction, they could always trade up. They don't have a ton of draft capital this year, but you could always dip into next year so. Oh, yeah, and listen, going into the end of this season here, the Eagles, I know there are a few spots in front of the Lions, but they play both uh, NFC East divisional rivals and the Cowboys in Washington. They, pr- I, I don't know how winnable those games are, but they're they're running out a new quarterback out there. And Jalen Hurts looked pretty good against the Saints. Sure. I'm not going to lie. I know they, and they had a close loss against the against the Cardinals. And who knows what Dallas is going to do? Who knows what the Chargers are going to do? You know, they're... There are teams in front of the Lions who could absolutely pick up some wins. I mean, the Jets won today, so anything can happen. Yeah, any anything's possible. <laughs> yeah, I think we're gonna wrap it here. What What do you say, Jeremy? You feel good about anything, this game? Yeah, anything is possible, and I'm never not gonna. Never, never not, not gonna. <laughs> what, never not. I've gonna. already forgotten what the. What the it's okay. Is, we'll huh? figure it out in post. You know. Uh, we're going to hang around. Uh, if you're on Twitch chat on YouTube, we like to ch- kind of chop it up afterwards. But this is going to do it for a recorded session here uh, before we all just devolve into just idiocy. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, again, be sure to download, especially download. I know we talk up the live streams a lot, but really, like, we love you guys who download this thing. I hope it, guys, it keeps you guys company. It's it's weird. I want everyone to have good holidays out there. Um, it's a weird year. Don't do nothing that's going to put anyone in danger. Uh, be mindful of that, but still celebrate with people when you can. And uh, yeah, we're near the end of the year. Go Lions. And uh, we will see you star side. <laughs>